Welcome to the Empowered Eating and Living Podcast, where we dive into your inner world to explore all of the psychological, emotional, energetic, and spiritual components that may be influencing your struggle with food and eating. I'm your host, Sarah Emily Spears, a trained psychotherapist and energy worker who recovered from my own eating disorder. And now I help women just like you do the inner work to address the real issues keeping you stuck in your problematic eating patterns. Because I assure you, your problem with food is about way more than food. So join me and guest experts as we discuss the psychology of eating and healing and empower you with tangible steps you can take today to begin to improve your relationship with food and yourself from a place of true nourishment and care. Shayna James is a relationship coach of over 20 years who has humbly discovered the causes of disconnection and distrust in relationships, as well as how to build trust and keep passion alive. She has a master's in psychology, as well as positive intelligence certifications, and has facilitated decades of authentic relating workshops based on her training in communication, mindfulness, psychology, and sensuality. She specializes in helping clients date and create healthy relationships, especially after divorce. Shana is the creator and host of the Man Alive podcast, which has over a half a million downloads. And she's given the TED Talk, What 1,000 Men's Tears Reveal About the Crisis Between Men and Women. Recently, she released her book, Honest Sex, A Passionate Path to Deepen Connection and Keep Relationships Alive. Enjoy this conversation with Shana. We dive into all the juicy bits around relationships and how you can deepen your connection to your partner no matter where you're at. Hi, Shana. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. I mean, I know I told you, but I just knew I had to talk to you because your area of expertise is a key piece to the work that I do with women who struggle with food and eating issues that I often don't dive into too much because it's not my area of expertise. Yeah. And you are, I would consider you to be sort of a relationship expert, but I don't know, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've been doing relationship coaching for 20 years or so, and definitely my area of expertise is relationship dynamics and, you know, supporting people to have more intimacy and connection and all of that. So yeah, that sounds right. And I know that you work with women, right, to help them with dating or finding emotionally available men, but you also specialize in working with men. So you have this beautiful sort of super skill of understanding the man and and the masculine mind and sort of their inner world as much as you understand the inner world of the woman, which is why you're the perfect person to pick you a brain because (laughs) in my world, here's what I see. There's two types of women that I work with. The first one, she's in partnership. She has a spouse, but is really dissatisfied in the the connection, getting their emotional needs met. And because those needs aren't getting met, they default to food. Yeah. Total sense. Yeah. And then the second category are the women who are single, who are really desiring partnership and connection and intimacy but don't have anyone in sight and are struggling to, to meet those people and make those connections. And so they're defaulting to food to fill the void as well. Total sense. Just yesterday I was walking around my house and I was like, do I need chocolate? Do I need? And then I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) I don't need any of these food things that I'm wanting. Right. There was like some kind of emptiness there that I was trying to fill. Exactly. 
And that can be really challenging when I'm working with these women because I know that until they can improve the relationship dynamic with their husband and actually get those true needs met, yeah. it's really challenging to just say, don't, don't eat. To totally. Totally. Exactly. I mean, I know you and I have known each other for a while in different contexts, but you know, one, one way to kind of bridge that gap though, is to create relationships with other women, right. Where you are getting some of those needs met, even if it's not from that person, you really long for them to be met by, because we need to have them met right either way, whether, whether it is going to work with that person or not. I mean, I'm happy to talk about that and how to create more connection, but in the meantime, as there's a rebuilding of that connection and intimacy, I mean, there's nothing like having girlfriends who really understand you and, and, you know, go deep with you. And if women don't feel like they have those relationships with other women, I'm curious where you would recommend they start, you know, is that through a practitioner or are there groups that you know of that you point women towards? That's a great question. I mean, I haven't, I haven't been aware of women's groups in a while, um, yeah, it's a good question of where to go. I mean, I think things even as simple as meetup and, you know, looking for if you're women who hike or women who cook or women who, you know, create art or just like finding women or finding events that actually are in the realm of something you love to do where your creativity is nourished and then therefore um, you know, those relationships actually build because you have those common interests. I think is a really good place to start. Yeah, I love that recommendation because it's true. I think one of the mistakes we as women can make is put all the pressure on the partner to yeah. satisfy all of our needs. Yeah. And you can offload some of that pressure by finding other connections and relationships that can totally. still be really satisfying. Yes. And intimate, in and different yeah, in different ways. And then you're not coming back to your husband being like, you know, like if I can't get this right, there, there's a pull and there's a kind of drag or a nag or a like, you know, one of the things that I often work with women on is um, recognizing that complaints and desires are opposite sides of the same coin. And so if we are feeling depleted, we're much more likely to complain and, you know, be like, why isn't this happening? I hate this. This is wrong and nag at someone versus to actually bring the inspiration of our desires. And so the more filled up you feel by your own life, the the more strength you have, right? To bring those desires and to to speak them into reality and to, you know, because it takes some courage too sometimes for us to have them even. And to ask for them, like to ask for what we desire or what we need. Like I encounter that a lot of women have really shut down the throat chakra and are so disconnected from their desires. Yeah. And so- like I would imagine it takes some courage to even feel comfortable to ask. Yes. Totally. I mean, I just, I wrote uh, the book Honest Sex recently and the first section of it is all about honesty. And one of the parts of it is how honest are you with yourself and that we can get honest. And I think we have to often get honest with ourselves first because it feels scarier to be honest with someone else. So, you know, if we can start getting honest with, well, what does light me up or what does turn me on. Or even you and I just had this conversation about you're going away to Europe. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't felt that much fire in my body in such a long time. And you know, maybe I don't get to live out that desire in the same way you do, but what actually has us feel lit up and turned on? Because if we're stuck in the, you know, 
What's it? I mean, I hate the word victim because it feels like it's a judgment. But if we are stuck in the like, ugh, this is bad. I don't like it. There's, you know, this is, this is never going to change. We're not bringing the kind of energy to our lives or our relationships that inspire someone. And that's one of the things that I really do see with men is that a lot of men are sensitive to criticism and feeling like they're not um, meeting us or, you know, lo- like loving us. Like they, if they can't, uh, if they can't kind of get a job done, then they feel defeated. Right. And, and one of the jobs that a lot of men, I think like to do, even if it doesn't seem like this is to try to make a woman happy. And sometimes like I see in my mom's relationship with my dad, where he just gave up so long ago. Cause she, like, she was never happy and she never approved of him or appreciated him. And so, you know, it's a humbling moment to look at our relationship and, and just look, okay, am I appreciating anything? Am I approving of anything? Or am I just so over it, which I totally understand? Um, you know, am I bringing the vulnerable raw pain and asking for what I really want? Or am I shutting down or lashing out? And it's it's good to just start self-assessing, like what's going on in your relationships. Right. And so if there's so much criticism that the man feels like he's failing as a partner mm-hmm. or provider, then it's safe to say that he shuts down or withdraws or stops trying because it's like, what's the point? Totally. And now you may be listening and being like, but he never was trying or he never got it right or he never, right? And that's an interesting thing too, because for some reason, right, you chose a man who maybe wasn't even emotionally available from the beginning and maybe now you're growing and he hasn't grown. And so there are, you know, those questions of, okay, have we grown apart? Are we not growing together? Or I don't, I don't think we fully know that though, until we present a really inspiring invitation. Like, do you want to grow with me? You know, do you want to experience this kind of love and intimacy with me? is really different than, and I, okay, I'm just going to out myself. Right. So I was divorced 11 or so years ago. Um, and I did that, right. I came to this place where I was just like complaining. Our sex wasn't spiritual enough, you know, in a way, I mean, we had a conversation after where I was just like, God, when you were done with sex, it was done. Like that was so fucking painful for me. And at the same time, Uh, And he actually amazingly after we were divorced was like, okay, I can see what you're pointing to now. Like he couldn't see it while we were in it. But part of it was because I was just mad and frustrated and angry. And, you know, and I, I wasn't actually bringing that vulnerability of like, Hey, can we just like back up and look at our dynamic together vulnerably and really see like, what is going on here? You know, we're, we're each playing a role in this and why is this happening? And I bet that level of vulnerability is terrifying initially. I you think know, it can be. Yeah. I can feel the so. woman I work with freezing at the idea of having to even like approach the subject. Cause a lot of them, honestly, they don't talk about sex at all with their partner. Yeah. And that maybe is cultural as yeah. well. Some of the conditioning around sex or the shame around sex, yeah. but where right, right? you like, we have a window into okay, yes, there is shame and we don't have to be stuck there. And yes, I still feel scared when I ask for something new or I have those conversations. So I'm not going to say it's not scary. And I think it's useful to look at like, 
okay, there's a kind of pain you're enduring right now. And there's a kind of pain that comes with risking and being vulnerable. Right. And the True. kind of pain, the pain that comes- of not bringing it up, of not asking for what you desire, of things saying the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I have like, I can hear so many clients <laughs> talking about their situations and I have so many follow-up questions. The first one is with the criticism piece. Yeah. So if we're not criticizing, but men, let's say we're, we're wanting to ask them to support us more by helping with household chores or helping with the kids. And there's, you, you know, so instead of like, how do you ask for that sort of support without it coming off as critical? Like you're not doing this and I need you to do this. Yes. A better invitation. Cause I hear a lot of these women are also burnt out from feeling totally. unsupported. Totally. I get that. And so I have so much compassion for that one. And I love the question, would you be willing? Um, because it feels like a gentle invitation and, you know, we have to ask with, um, with the knowing that someone could say no, because if we ask with that sense of, if you say no, you're wrong, or if you say, no, I'm going to bash you or whatever, then it's actually not asking it's a demand. And when we put a demand on there, especially when we think it's an ask, it gets, you know, pretty tricky in there. Um, and, and it feels pressured. Right? right. Um, but I think the more we actually bring that request, you know, would you be willing to, with a sense of what's actually going on and the outcome that we're looking for, right? Like, would you be willing to help the kids with their homework this week? I'm feeling super burnt out. I would love to take a bath. Like I actually want to have more energy for you and me. And if this were to happen, you know, that's a way that I could come back to myself. So it does, it takes a lot of self-knowing, right? To know like, oh, this is what's going on for me. And this is what I could use and all of these things. And then it takes the being willing to say it out loud and ask and risk rejection or that fear of rejection. Um, But if we don't change anything, we already know what we're going to get, right? So Right. So having the courage again to ask for what you need, but to like, I'm also hearing when you're asking, are you willing to, it's also sharing like why you're making that yeah, request. Exactly. This is going to benefit me and you and our relationship. And it's a win-win for everybody totally. versus yes. the demand. It's almost like we, you know, we can do this. I've done this where we set the men up to fail. It's yeah. like, Gotcha. I knew it. See more evidence that you're not supportive or you won't do this thing I need you to do. And we can unconsciously just continue to reinforce what we believe that they don't love us or they don't care or, you know, you know, God, we've all done it. I'm not (laughs) myself. (laughs) Yeah. So just good to not shame or blame ourselves for that either. You know, like if we can take shame and blame out of the picture for ourselves and for our partners, it really helps. I had a situation last week with my partner where we were, we were going through a rough moment and we made a pinky promise that we weren't going to beat ourselves up and we weren't going to like guilt ourselves or say that we shouldn't have done that or shouldn't have said that. And I have to say it was so liberating. I went from, you know, I can tend to fall into my little girl who's like, oh, I did something wrong. I'm bad. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have asked for what I wanted, you know, but when I made the pact not to 
make myself wrong. It helped me kind of feel into my mature adult woman where I was like, oh, okay. So we stepped into a little bit of a landmine and he's got this pain and that's happening for him. And now he's going to go do some deep work around it that he probably never would have done otherwise. And I've got my own, you know, thing over here that I'm working with and nobody's bad or wrong. There's no right or wrong. There's no bad or wrong. It's just like, okay, what if we're on the same team here? How could, and if you're not on the same team at this point, how do we reestablish, Hey, let's be on the same team instead of opposing teams. And let's check this out together. And if ultimately this is where I go and, you know, this might be scary for people too, but it's like, if ultimately we can't feel happy or fulfilled together, maybe we do set each other free. Um, but we don't have to go like, it's not, it's, it doesn't, it's could be so far off, but it like the, the willingness to even consider that I think opens up a whole new world where we're willing to take risks because we don't want that to be the outcome. So let's, you know, take some risks so that that doesn't have to be the outcome. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if we're on the same team and we've chosen to be together, it's because we had this mutual desire to create a fulfilling, happy life together. Yeah. So how do we work towards that together? And when we like have exhausted all of the working towards that, you know, then we get to reconsider if we're actually aligned in, in like the desires, I guess, of what we're, we're really yeah. wanting to experience in relationship. Totally. And my stance really still is, and I say this to a lot of my clients, like until you open heartedly ask for what you want and have those conversations vulnerably, I don't think we know what's possible. You know, I don't think we, we can't say like, that's impossible. That's never going to happen. He's never going to do that. You know, then we're just giving up from that, um, entrenched kind of super ego, right? The part of us that doesn't believe that anything's possible. And there's so much more possible than that part knows. Yeah. What have you found with the men you've worked? Like, would women be surprised that actually like what they truly desire or what's going on within? So surprised. I think women would be so surprised. And granted, there's a certain type of man who comes to me who has, you know, at least a little bit of that glimmer of self-knowledge or self-growth or wants to grow. And sometimes, like I said, like if we've chosen a partner who that's just not what they're interested in, it doesn't mean that it couldn't be, but you know, there's a little bit more of the uphill battle, but I do want to say that it's not linear. I've seen men go from like A to R, you know, (laughs) in a really short amount of time and like blow their own minds as they've been opening. So yeah, so many men, I feel like say to me, like, I just, you know, I, I want my wife to open up with me. I want her to be vulnerable with me. I want to, you know, I don't, and she's, she's kind of nagging me or blaming me, but I don't, I don't feel her heart. So then they stop feeling safe to open up and then everybody's pushing oh, yeah. against each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And shut down. Yeah. And I imagine in our culture, it potentially is a little harder for men to naturally be vulnerable. Yeah. Do you find that they're struggling against just upbringings and messaging and programming around? For sure. I mean, because I was divorced in my late thirties, I've dated in my, you know, late thirties to now it's been what I say, like 10 or 11 years. Um, I was just telling the story the other day of a man who was in his forties and I was dating him and he opened up and he cried with me. And then he was like, Oh my God, 
I've never cried with a woman where she didn't, you know, get disgusted with me or tell me that she was not attracted to me anymore. And it's scary for them because of the way, like a lot of women say, we want men to be vulnerable. We want men to open up. And then when they do, there's one reaction that women have that tends to be really, I would say castrating, right? Which is like, well, yeah, I, I wanted that, but I didn't want it this way. Or I wanted to still know that you were going to be the rock and you weren't going to, you know, fall apart. And I, I just, I encourage you to know that if a man in your life is actually getting vulnerable and opening up with you, um, he will, he'll, he'll actually be stronger. Like in the short term, there may be moments where you're like, oh my God, what happened to him? And he's falling apart. And, but it is through that vulnerability and through that tenderness that he actually finds his own strength and solidifies his own strength. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about the, like the women who maybe are like, well, I try to be open with him. I try to be vulnerable and he still isn't opening. Yeah. That process of opening probably takes a little bit of time. It It takes some patience for sure. And if, if he's not opening up and you really are like, Hey, I need this, you know, it does help to have someone else there, a coach or a therapist or someone who can really, I don't want to say be on your side. Cause it's not like they're taking sides, but right. They, they could actually reflect, Hey, it seems like you're not open to this conversation or, you know, cause willingness is huge and men don't always know how, but you can stand for the willingness, right? Like, I don't need you to know how, and I don't need to, you know, map out how this whole journey is going to go, but I do need you to be willing to open up with me and, you know, try something different with me. And and probably be open to them finding like their own unique path towards totally. that opening or that healing. Because I also see women, maybe this goes hand in hand with that criticism or demand where they're like, I'm working with you doing my inner work and healing and he's not doing anything and he should be doing this and do that and do this. And, and so we can also put the pressure on them to have to have her healing or opening look like ours. Totally. And that probably isn't helpful either. Yeah. And the thing I will say that I found at one point in my marriage was as he started taking those risks to grow it actually got scary for me. Cause I was like, Oh no, what if he leaves me? What if, what if he grows in these ways? And so that I think for many of us, I, I could be wrong and maybe it's just me, but I think that there's a way for women that we have to get a little bit honest with the fact that there's some kind of safety we get when a man isn't willing to grow that we I have know. to risk letting go of yeah, I as think he starts growing. Spot on probably. And that's yeah. something I've never really considered before that a lot of women listening to this are probably struggling with because when they struggle with food and eating they're struggling with body insecurities yeah there's this you know not feeling pretty enough or good enough or desirable to their husband and so there may be a part in there that is scared of what would happen you know yeah. it did start yeah to- what would happen if he started to be emotionally available and then he was out in the world and other women saw him as desirable and all these things and you know Ultimately, I think the only way a relationship is satisfying is if we're both really choosing each other. And so I think sometimes we have to go through some of that, that fear and that vulnerability of, wow, he is opening up and wow, other people may be more attracted to him, but he's choosing me and I'm choosing him. And 
right? Then we're both actually in it. Right. And do you find that through that process of two people beginning to let down the walls and the criticism and become more vulnerable and speak honestly to each other, either what they're feeling or their desires, like, is that sort of the pathway then to what you call that honest sex, like the more intimate, physical intimacy? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And again, you know, it's not always easy and the start can be bumpy. Um, but even I just go back to what I was going through with my partner last week where, so we're in a relationship, we've been together only for seven months, so it's relatively new. And so we're still getting to know each other and it can be harder sometimes when you're in it for longer. Cause you're like, well, now I really, or you have kids, you know, now I really can't risk this. Um, so I recognize that and, um, I'm pretty invested in this relationship. So I felt some of that, like, oh no, oh shit, what did we do? But, you know, we sat and had a conversation last week for a couple hours and I just listened and let him be vulnerable. And then eventually I brought my own vulnerability, but, you know, afterward he was like, oh my God, I've never been listened to like that. I've never been loved like that. Like I feel stronger. I feel more powerful. And then we started having this conversation like a couple of days later about the way that we energetically support each other and how like this kind of, I don't know, this might sound cheesy, but it's like, it felt real, like this kind of, you know, God, goddess, like who are we to each other in the spiritual realm and how do we stand for each other? And I was like, oh my God, maybe that would have happened if we hadn't gone through that intensity, but it definitely brought it out more and faster. Do you know what I mean? Like, because the depth, even when it's uncomfortable, actually evokes, it evokes our depth and our heart's longing and yearning and and that deep intimacy, even when we have to go through the fire to get there. Yeah. And maybe as like, if it's safe for you to see my wounds, yes. it's safe for me to bring out my other Exactly. Exactly. Because it can be scary too, to bring out our joy and our freedom and our sluttiness and our, right? Like all the desires and all, we can be scared as women. I've definitely had this one. Like I'm too much, I'm too big, but okay. If we can meet in that depth, then maybe we're more safe to bring, like you said, all of these parts too. I literally had a client today who, you know, we were working on at a very young age, she shut off being fun and having fun to become responsible Yes. So as an adult, you know, her, the people around her reflect she needs to loosen up or be fun. And that's really hard for her to bring out because it wasn't safe as a child to really allow that. Yeah. And so I, I do, I do see how, as we get comfortable exposing any of those parts of ourselves that didn't feel safe, whether it's what we call positive or negative, that that would allow us to just bring more of us into Weird. the relationship. Yeah. And I love, I love that you're doing that with her because I, I identify with that one too. There was not a lot of fun in my <laughs> growing up and, um, it's a painful one, but the, okay. So the more when, as you're working through shame with her, the less shame we have with ourselves, the freer we are where it's like, oh, if you don't want to have fun, I, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with me. That doesn't mean that, you know, I'm bad or I'm too irresponsible or any of those things. It just means there's something going on for you. Whereas if we're still holding all the shame around it, then we see someone else's reaction or response as, 
you know, a negation of ourselves. Right. Further evidence that there's something wrong with me. Exactly. I'm curious for, and going back to the sexual intimacy, because something wrong with me, a lot of women have the story that there's something wrong with my body. Yes. Their husbands don't, aren't physically attracted to them or don't desire them. Yeah. And when you're craving, right, like a passionate sex life, and that's not currently happening. And your belief is it must be, if I could just lose oh, a pounds maybe. right then, maybe, right, maybe we would, um, he would desire me more. This would start to kick on the passion again. From your experience, like, does that, is that true or myth? <laughs> From my experience, it's not true. And um, I've struggled with my body forever. And, you know, I would say I'm doing better than ever, but I mean, I stood in front of a mirror naked in front of a group of people in my 20s to attempt to say something that I loved about my body. And I literally sobbed for like the two hours leading up to it. I got up there. I couldn't say one. I think I said I liked my arms. That was like the only thing I could say about my love for my body. And I had this major epiphany of how I was carrying my mother's shame about her body and so I get the body one and there are certain positions, you know, if I'm like, oh, my stomach's hanging out. I don't want you to see me like this or like, really, you just put your hand there, you know? <laughs> so what I will say from my experience of being with men struggling with that is that the more I could, you know, relax into their love, the easier it's gotten. But I also had to do my own work because if I wasn't able to kind of relax open or trust that they could feel my poochie belly and still stay, right, then I didn't give them that opening. So many, many men don't give a shit about, you know, our body and, and love like curvy and vivacious. And, you know, I had a guy who um, I consider myself really curvy and like my, you know, belly, whatever, but he was just like, I actually really want more curves. And that was like the first time I'd ever heard a man say that. I was like, wait, what? Like you, you want to grab more of a body? Okay. Well, that's not something I've ever heard before, you know, but I really started hearing more and more from men about how it's not about the specific Barbie doll body. I mean, there are men like that those aren't the men that we want to be with. Now, I don't think we should shame men if that's a part of their psyche, if they're willing to work with that. And they're like, yes, I was conditioned in this way, you know, by everything around me in the world to want this kind of body. But I don't, I don't, that, that feels shallow to me. I don't want to be stuck in that. That's one thing. Um, so when you said something you said before, led me to like have women check in. Is it is it actually that he's not loving my body or is it just my own mind? And have I checked it out? Um, I did have a partner and I wrote about this in, in honest sex. I did have a partner who said like, you're not my body type. And it was in some ways really painful. And in other ways I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, like I'd rather know than not know so that we can actually be in reality. And then we realized we had so much chemistry and so much passion that it wasn't even about that. That was the first time I realized that chemistry and attraction can be separate, you know? Um, so yeah, again, I think we go back to what you said, like, it's really can be really scary to have those conversations with your partner about sex and body type, but just know that men are struggling with that too. And 
especially as they get older and they get balder and they, their bellies get bigger and, you know, they, there's, there's a lot of body dysmorphia and struggling to feel good about their bodies too. Both sides. Mm -hmm. And I think you're spot on again, because a lot of women I'm calling y'all out because they'll say, Oh no, he, he says he likes my body. Uh Receive it. You can't believe it or receive it. it. Yes. So there's an opportunity for women. We get to really change our own internal story and beliefs and narrative about our own body and receive the love when your partner is actually giving it to you. So don't believe that he actually thinks that you're just saying, how could he, you're just saying that, but I don't know. I'm just thinking of like, how would you really check that out? I mean, you can never know what's fully going on inside someone else's head, but I don't think a man would say it. Most men, I think, wouldn't say it unless they really felt it. And I think most of us as women have that overactive inner body, inner critic, everything inner critic. I know I have. Um, So yeah, you know, good to take some time and really check in. Like, is it actually him or is it me? Because usually it's us. And what if you just play with the possibility that he means it? Like, what, what could that feel like to actually... That's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the way I imagine is exciting for women. And I just, you know, admit, of course, it can be scary too. And because then if you really admit that he loves your body, then do you put pressure on yourself? Like, well, now I have to perform or now I have to open up or now I have to be more naked or now I have to have sex more. Right. Then we start to get into, okay, what else is going on in there that we need to explore and what pressure are we putting on ourselves? Well, what else is going on in there? What What are some other things women and or men could become aware of that also might be playing into their sexual chemistry or intimacy? I mean, I think, you know, we've been talking about shame. I think that's a huge one. If we think there's something wrong with our desires or something wrong with our body or something wrong with how we smell or something wrong, like any of those ways that we make ourselves wrong, just cut off pleasure and intimacy for sure. And I really do find that the doorway back is to be vulnerable about those things and is to start, you don't have to go the deepest, biggest one first, but to start trusting each other with those things. And oftentimes somebody has to go first, let's say, or, you know, and I think oftentimes it can be women because we're not conditioned out of it as much. We're still conditioned out of it, but okay. So there's shame, you know, that gets in the way. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it all comes back to fear and shame. Cause I think about as a woman, you know, there's this part of me for a long time that was, and still in some ways, like trying to walk that tightrope, right? Like I don't want to be seen as too slutty and I don't want to be seen as a prude. And so how do I, how do I be that would have me like walk that line so that I will be lovable and wanted and all of that. And, you know, part of me just wants to start saying like, fuck it. (laughs) Throw throw it out, throw out the rule book. (laughs) Yeah. Throw the rule book and really start to see what do I actually want? And again, I go back to the, there's no wrong. If we're consenting adults, we get to do anything we want to do with other consenting adults. And if somebody doesn't like what we like, it's just not a match. You know, I ended up dating a guy last year and it turned out that he was very submissive to the point where like, he wouldn't even text me if I didn't text him. Like he, he, and Eventually I was just like, oh, this doesn't, it's not working for me. There's nothing wrong with that. He wanted it that way. I just, it it kicked up so much of my self-worth and I I wasn't feeling wanted and all that. So I just got to say like, 
this isn't a match. This isn't a fit that didn't have to make him wrong or me wrong or anybody wrong. Right. Yeah. And one of the words you used earlier, which pinged for me was performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I think a lot of people can go into performance in the bedroom. Yeah. And that, I don't know. It's not the actual intimacy. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is what I think sex is supposed to be like. Yeah. And, and how do they like bypass the performance and actually get into real pleasure. Yeah. Well, there's a chapter in the book I call the myth of happy sex. And the idea of it is we think we need to get back to happy, or sometimes we think we need to get our partners back to happy, or they need to get us back to happy. And in the example I gave was when I was in bed with my partner years ago and he looked at me and he was like, you're not really that into this, are you? And to his credit, you know, he was able to, he was a little bit hurt, but he was able to get curious instead of just being like, yeah, you know, fuck you. You're not that into, sorry. I feel like I'm saying that word a lot. Okay. Um, For expression. Yeah. So what ultimately ended up happening was I stopped and I was like, okay, what is going on? Cause if I'm not making myself wrong, then I really get to get curious about what's happening here. And I realized that I had been to a funeral that day and I was full of grief and I had been numbing it out quite well until my heart started opening a little bit because we were in bed together. And then I was just like overwhelmed. And so I just, you know, I cried and I sobbed. And now if you have a man in your life who's never been with that before, it takes a little bit of like this is where it takes self-knowing, right? I know what's going on with myself. I don't have as much shame around it. I'm not going to say no shame, but I don't have as much shame around it. So I know that there's nothing wrong with me here. Um, I also can let him know, hey, this is what I need, right? Like, I just want you to just hold me and love me and kiss my cheeks and, you know, listen for a few minutes. Um, So there's that combination of, I know myself, I'm not making myself wrong and I can ask for what I need and a little bit of education, which I think we as women really don't like to do, but I will say the payoff in the long run is, is big. You know, when you educate in some of those moments of like, and when you ask for what you want, Hey, will you just hold me while I cry in your lap? And usually it passes faster than we think it's going to, um, And if we haven't, as women, done a lot of emotional expression, it can be helpful to do it with a therapist or with a coach or, you know, someone like you or me who can hold space and just be like, bring it, girl. I got you. Every anything and everything you express, you know, it's leading you to your heart and your wholeness. And there's nothing wrong here. Yeah. Especially with emotional eating, the sort of theory is that when you grow up in an invalidating environment. So, you know, a lot of the women I'm working with don't know how to even validate their own emotional experience. Totally. So that is a place that we need to start is permissioning our feelings without yeah. judgment or shame that we put on ourselves. Yeah. Which is yeah. really what you're speaking to with honesty, starting with yourself, because then you're able to to share that with your partner and not feel that shame that can really keep you in self-loathing or insecurities and that is probably a huge barrier to deepening and in intimacy and satisfaction and relationship. Totally. It is. And I just want women to know too, that, you know, like if I can do it, you can do it. I grew up in a very 
um, you're fine. You're like nothing to talk about, nothing to see here. You know, I've really been working for many years, decades on the part of me that just felt like completely invalidated and never understood. And still, you know, doesn't go to, I don't, I don't go to my parents for emotional support. I don't even tell them if anything is like, right. Deep emotional, because I just knew that that was not what I was going to get there. So I really kind of clawed my way up into creating relationships with people where I could be vulnerable and I could express and they would actually see and understand me. And I love the story of hope because I also feel like a lot of the women have given up that hope of having that kind of intimacy in their relationships. Yeah. Yeah, Don't give up. It's totally possible and not easy again. Right. But possible. And if I can do it, you can too. Yeah. Anyone can. Mm -hmm. So for the men, the men, the side with the men, are there any things that women do unintentionally that further push them away? Yeah. Super question. And is there anything else besides like this honesty vulnerability that would pull them closer? Yeah. I mean, I think it's simple in a way when we disapprove and when we criticize or nag or all the things we've been talking about that pushes men away. And then when we close off and wall off and just like the, the independent superwoman, which I'm really good at too. (laughs) Um, you know, when we do that kind of a thing, we also push men away when we're not actually good at receiving or when, you know, fine, I'll let you load the dishwasher, but actually you're putting the glass in the wrong place, right? Like when we start nitpicking and not letting go of control. I'm working on this one with my kid too, where I'm just like, oh, I can see where I didn't want to let you bake because you'd get the kitchen all messy, but like, I have to let you grow and learn. And, you know, and unfortunately we're like, well, yeah, I could do it with a kid, but with my partner, it's more frustrating, but there's still a kind of, we have to let them do things in order to learn. Otherwise we end up, you know, again, I feel like I'm talking a lot about my parents, but you know, they're in their seventies, eighties and my dad still only knows how to cook an egg. Like, and then my mom's infuriated, but I'm like, well, you know, if you're going to yell at him when he tries anything, then he's not going to feel inspired to try or, or maybe not yelling. Some of us get just kind of silently disgusted or passive aggressive or any of those things. Like just know that they can feel us. We'll look alone. Yeah. The disapproving look. Yeah. Yeah. That they can feel that. And so all of those things. So encouragement and appreciation, you know, even if it's, <laughs> I often say to women, like, all right, if you don't like anything about the way he's touching you, you could actually appreciate that he is touching you or that he is trying. And from there, right, from the appreciation, then we can start to ask for, all right, can we try something different or can we, you know, can we set up a little clinic and like, you'll spend 10 minutes learning how, like ways that, you know, I love you touching my body or we can do it for you in 10 minutes. And you could tell me how I love, you know, how you love me touching your body, things like that. So once we get past the, not past again, once we're willing to play in the realm of shame and fear and risk and all of that, then we can start to get creative. And for those women who are experiencing, you you mentioned this earlier, like the I'm evolving and growing Mm -hmm. and it it feels like he's not or isn't willing. Yeah. 
I guess, you know, I, I, what is the advice for, for people in those situations? Yeah. I mean, one thing that comes to mind is that the more we grow and evolve, the more our hearts actually open. So if we're growing and evolving and yet we're fuming and feeling pissed off and resentful at our partners, it's humbling. But I think we have to look at the fact like, oh, I'm not quite growing in that area yet. And yeah, right. So, um, you know, I, my marriage ended, it wasn't not saying it was like amazing the way it ended, but there was a lot of that vulnerability of, Hey, we're growing in different directions. I want you to be happy, you know, and I want you to be happy and we're not happy. So let's set each other free. And like, it is possible to have those kinds of conversations. And again, you don't have to end the relationship or even I wouldn't say don't threaten to end the relationship. right. The threats are what makes things more painful and more pressured. But if it's like, Hey, could we just put everything on the table here? You know, could we just talk about the fact that it doesn't seem like you've been happy. It doesn't seem like I've been happy. So what if we tried together? What if we got on the same page and really looked at what would, what would make each of us happy? And, you know, hopefully it's the same things. And ultimately, if it's not, then we could talk about that, but let's at least give it a really good go before we, you know, break something apart. Absolutely. And, and this, I want to read this because you wrote this and I thought it was really helpful for women to hear. You said, love tends to find and stick with you when you access a wholehearted and genuine belief in yourself. Mm. It doesn't fade when someone says no, or you don't get what you want. And that to me is like a perfect, almost end cap to what you just shared around like being so okay with yourself that you can have those conversations, even if the answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. And it strikes me that I know some women who only have negative experiences with men and it's always kind of confused me. Um, why, like, why is that happening for them? And why am I having such beautiful experiences with men where even if it's not a fit, I really feel like there's something I can honor about that man, or there's something, some kind of gift that I received from going on a date or, um, and I think it really does come down to, okay, can we clear out our beliefs about how all men are and not bring that into our view of the individual man in front of us. Because when we clear that out, then we have so much more compassion and so much more curiosity and, you know, a sense of wanting to know this person and wanting to understand this person versus I'm just going to put you in a box with all the other men who've done shitty things and then make you, you know, live up to that. I mean, that might be a harsh way to say it, but you're doing that. Yeah. And the more we love ourselves and the the less shame we bring about our own body and self, the easier it becomes to start to have compassion for others and to love others. Absolutely. Yeah. And that word honor feels really important mm. like to honor the person you're with. Yeah. And earlier you used the word castrate. You know, I think we can with our looks and our words often castrate men and then wonder why they're not stepping up Right, and we want them to be. It's like, well, yeah. we do as women need to look at our own behaviors and how we are treating them. If we are desiring them to treat us with that love or 
honor. Yes. Right. The thing it's gone to use as be the change you want to see. And I think because I'm willing to look through the eyes of love and compassion and curiosity, one of my major lessons in life has been to assume the best about someone and then get curious instead of assuming the worst and getting pissed off and resentful. And I wrote about that in the book too. So if you can actually assume the best, instead of, I know you did that to hurt me, or you're, you know, you're saying that to mess with me or any of those ideas that we have to start to, again, self-reflect and be like, why am, why am I saying that? Oh, cause I'm hurt. If I bring the hurt, it's going to go over a lot, but it's going to create more of an opportunity for connection and when the opportunity for connection happens, then sex is going to be more likely that an intimate sex is going to be more likely. And right. That kind of love and affection is going to be more likely. So if we can stop ourselves from reacting and exploding and really see what's going on on a deeper level, then we create much more intimacy. I love it. This conversation was so good. I feel like there, you've given and touched on so many important aspects of relationships that are going to leave okay. listeners Good. considering a lot, a lot of introspection and a lot of things to put into practice. Yeah. And I'm going to include the link to honest sex in the show notes. So I encourage everyone to go get a copy because, oh, it's just, I know it's going to have so much value that will help women start mm. to shift just Thank their you. own relationship with themselves and then their partners. Yeah. And if anyone's curious in exploring, I don't, working with you, you work yeah. right now with men. I work with, I work with everyone. Send your husbands to Shana. <laughs> I will say it has never worked for somebody to send their partner to me unless their partner was totally willing. So just know that, right? Uh, seeds. Exactly. Okay, Plant the seeds and, and send them to my podcast. It's called man alive. And I've got, you know, 250 episodes. And so like you could say, Hey, let's listen to this together or something like that. Yeah. Um, and know that if you go to my, if you go to the link that Sarah is going to put there, you can get one of the chapters for free also, so that you can get a sense of, do I actually want to read this? And the audio book's going to be out soon. So that'll be available as well. And, um, yeah. And, you know, if you want to reach out to me, you can reach out from my website and I'm happy to support you. And if I'm not a fit, I'll recommend other people, but yeah, definitely reach out if you have questions. Awesome. Thank you, Shana. It was so wonderful talking with you. I'm so grateful for you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the work that you're doing with women and really helping women love themselves and see that we don't have to be stuck in this self-critical, you know, pain. It's so painful. I know from my own journey and so grateful that you're doing this work with women. Yeah. Thank you for your vulnerability too, about your own experience. Cause that, that liberates other women to release their own stories and shame and um, we get to heal together, you know? And yeah. We yeah. Yeah. We need each other. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the empowered eating and living podcast. If you liked today's episode, make sure to follow the show so you don't miss future episodes. And if you loved it, then please share this episode on your social media or send it to loved ones who may benefit from listening too. 